Zolana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 70, the last episode of this podcast season. Thank you so much for joining me. If you recall, in my last episode, I announced a new giveaway. All of you had a chance to leave a comment on my blog to be entered to win one of two books, either the Knitting Clothes Kids Love by Kate Oates or the book Knit Red by Laura Zander. I randomly chose between the comments left, and I'm happy to tell you that the winners are, firstly, Judy or Judigo on Ravelry, and also Sanjitha or Sangeetha, I'm not sure, S-A-N-G-E-E-T-H-A. So congratulations. I will be in touch with you shortly and we'll get your prizes mailed on out to you. And as always, thank you to everyone who participated in the drawing. So if you have been following my knitting blog at nevernotknitting.com or have been keeping up with me on Ravelry, you will know that a lot has happened since my last episode. Yes, of course, I am still in love with my beekeeper's quilt and I'm knitting hexapuffs and almost have a hundred finished at this point, which is super exciting. But what has really been keeping me busy the past few weeks is that I have been getting ready to finally release that new design collection. Finally. After months of talking about it on the podcast without really talking about it, I am now ready to actually talk about it. For reals. This new design collection will be published in the form of a 112-page book called Botanical Knits. It's going to be 8.5 by 11 and soft cover, just like Coastal Knits. And it will be available in two ways, print and digital. Either the book can be downloaded as a PDF only, or you'll be able to pre-order it in print. Now you may have seen some of the pictures of the designs already, but if you haven't, I'll tell you that the book contains 12 leafy garments that all center around the inspiration of foliage and trees. There are four different sweaters that I'm really excited about. The design that's gotten the most attention so far is definitely the Twigs and Willows cardigan, which is kind of a plain stockinette stitch sweater, but it has waist shaping that's really flattering, and also this very pretty texture design on the yoke of two leafy branches extending from each button band and framing the neckline. I was pleased to see how many people have favorited this sweater so far on Ravelry because this is also my personal favorite in the collection out of all of the sweaters. Now this design is out of the Brooklyn Tweed Shelter yarn and you may remember my previous episode where I recounted my struggles with it with the cable that broke in the fabric. What a painful memory that is. But thankfully, it of course all worked out in the end, and I am really just thrilled by how beautifully this cardigan turned out. The yarn really plays up the pattern very nicely. 
but it is knit at a gauge that can work for many different yarns, one of them being Cascade 220, which I know is a really nice inexpensive option. A lot of people like using it and it holds up really well. So that yarn would also work really, really well for this design if you're interested in making it. So another worsted weight sweater in the collection is called Entangled Vines. Now this is a sweater that's knit from the top down with raglan shaping, mostly in stockinette stitch. But this time there's this fun little twining vine detail traveling down each of the sleeves starting at the shoulder. And out of all of the sweater patterns in the book, I found this one probably to be the most fun to knit. Now, most everybody enjoys the process of a top-down raglan sweater. Not many knitters I know actually, you know, enjoy seaming up a sweater in the end. And also, there's the added benefit of being able to try it on as you go to get that nice perfect fit for your body. What I especially enjoyed about this pattern in particular is that the design on the sleeve portion is always changing. So there's always something new and exciting to keep your interest in the project. It's not just plain stockinette. It's fun to watch the stitch pattern evolve as you knit. And also, when it's all said and done, the cable and leaf sleeve pattern falls in a very flattering way on the shoulder when it's worn. It kind of actually accentuates the very top of the shoulder because the leaf and cable kind of cups the top and it's just really pretty and elegant looking. I was really happy with that little detail. So for this design, I chose the Ultra Decadent Fiber Company Organic Yarn, which is, well, simply put, amazing. And I don't need to tell you about that because I've already talked about this yarn on the podcast. And it's just really lovely. Lovely, lovely yarn. So give that a try if you haven't already. You will love it. It's very, very, very nice. Next up in the collection is a bulky jacket called Buds and Blooms. And this is knit out of Quince and Company Osprey, which I've mentioned also on the podcast before. It's a great bulky, springy yarn, wonderful to knit with. And this is a fun pattern as well. It has quite a few fun little details. It has this wide neckline and rounded collar. It has a budding vine stalk motif climbing up the back of it. And my personal favorite are the adorable circular pockets with little budding plant motifs on them. I greatly enjoyed designing and knitting this piece. It went super quickly on the needles because of the bulky weight yarn. And the pockets I thought were really unusual and fun to construct. The resulting jacket, in my opinion, is really cute and feminine. And the sort of thing that I would like to wear every day. It's really adorable. But then again, that is just my very biased opinion as its designer. So you can just take that for what it's worth. The fourth and final sweater in the book has also gotten a lot of attention on Ravelry, and that is the Autumn's End Pullover. Now this sweater is knit with a sport weight alpaca in an all-over lace pattern at a looser than normal gauge. The recommended needle size is a size 7, so it goes nice and quick. 
And the sweater has a lot of flattering shaping worked into it. There's a stockinette stitch portion on each side where all of the increases and decreases are for the waist shaping. And if you view the sweater from the side, you'll actually see that really pretty flattering contour. This pullover is worked from the bottom up and the sleeves are joined and then it's all worked together in raglan shaping up to the neckline. And you know how when you usually follow instructions like this with a lace stitch pattern and the instructions tell you to simply and vaguely just decrease in the lace pattern and they kind of just make you figure out how to do that? Well, I've knit several garments that way and when I was more of a beginning knitter, this was super, super daunting and overwhelming to me. So with that in mind, I wanted to really make these instructions easier for those of you who try to knit this sweater. A lot of effort and time by multiple test knitters, multiple technical editors, and myself has been put into it to tell you exactly how to do those decreases and still maintain the look of the lace pattern. The raglan decreases are clearly charted out, so the hard work's already done for you. All you need to do is just sit back and enjoy the knitting. No number crunching, no charting, and no stress. It should be a pretty easygoing knit, I think. So for this design, I chose the Barocco Ultra Alpaca Light yarn. And I felt that the halo and the drape of the alpaca worked really nicely with this sweater. I really like the look of it. So that's the four sweaters. But that's not all. There's also eight accessory patterns. I've got three hats that all require only one skein of yarn each. So great for gifts. There's a slouchy beanie style hat with an all over textured cable pattern made from Blue Sky Alpaca's Surrey Merino. I also have a beret featuring a pressed leaf twisted stitch pattern out of Madeline Tosh Tosh Merino DK. And then my personal favorite for the hats is the Oak Trail Cloche out of Madeline Tosh Vintage Yarn. I absolutely love the construction on this hat and I really think that you will too. You start by knitting a strip of fabric like a long rectangle. And when you get to the end and the stitches are still on the needle, you work a series of short rows to turn an angle, and then you pick up the stitches along one side of the strip, join it into the round, and knit up for the body of the hat. While you're doing this, you're also creating an oak leaf stitch pattern off to one side. So the result is this really cute face framing elegant cloche style hat with an overlapping brim and then that oak leaf on one side. Almost looks like the stem of the leaf travels around the entire hat. Now I really can't wait until you try knitting this one because I thought it was really fun and I'm curious to see what you think of it too. I enjoy projects like this. I love unusual details and construction I always like to do something new with my knitting. This project's exactly that. It was really fun and interesting. And, and by just looking at the pattern, you don't know exactly how it works. You kind of have to figure it out as you go. And it's just, I don't know, exciting. 
So aside from the hats, I also have a pair of beautiful leaf cable textured socks. And this is the design I released last year exclusively to the Tannis Fiber Arts Year in Color Club. And now I have the rights back, so I am re-releasing it again to all of you as part of this collection. And this was actually my first design for the book. It was the design that started it all. And it's really just one of my favorites. I love this stitch pattern. I liked it so much, in fact, that I also made a mitten pattern in the book to match. And these patterns are called ivy trellis. So there's the ivy trellis socks and the ivy trellis mittens. It's funny because the socks were my first pattern from the book and the mittens my last pattern. I remember when I had all 11 pieces done and I was struggling to find a 12th to include because I felt funny just putting 11, an odd number. I felt like I had to do a 12th to even it out. So I spent some time in my knitting chair, surrounded by my knits, trying to get some inspiration. And as I was admiring all the pieces, I put one of the ivy trellis socks on my hand and stretched it out with my fingers to admire the stitch pattern. And then it's like the light bulb went off. Mittens. Of course, mittens. I needed mittens. So shortly thereafter, the ivy trellis mittens were born. And they're really cute. For both the socks and the mittens, I chose Miss Babs two-ply sock weight yarn, which is gorgeous. I actually got the green skein that I used in the socks from Stitches a few years back, and I've just been holding it in my stash as saving it for the perfect project because I really liked the color so much. So I was happy to finally find a use for it. So the green color, which is called moss, is gorgeous, but all of her colorways are amazing. And the tonal colorways blend really nicely, which I appreciate because when you're working with a lot of texture, you don't want the colorway to compete. You just really want something that's going to show off those stitches. So I felt like this was a really good yarn choice, but of course you can use any sock weight yarn. You just pick your favorite. So I have another hand accessory in the collection in the form of fingerless mitts this time. And these I use the Barocco Ultra Alpaca Light again. And these feature a plant sprouting up out of the ribbing of the cuff and growing up the side of the hand and into the thumb gusset. So when your hand is flat, either palm up or down, all you see are cute little leaves peeking out from the side and then shaping is included on the other side of the mitt that keeps it really nice and tight, and it follows the contour of your wrist really nicely. The last two accessories in the book are worn around the neck. I have a super quick and simple chunky weight lace loop that you double up and wear as a cowl. It seems like that is a very popular fashion at the moment. I see those types of cowls everywhere. And this is knit on size 11 needles out of the Fiber Company Tundra yarn, which was lovely to work with. So this cowl is super warm, it's super cozy, but most importantly, it is super quick to knit. And we all need instant gratification projects like this sometimes. Am I right? I already had a knitter on Ravelry contact me 
to tell me that she is interested in making this cowl, which is called the Twin Leaf Loop, as teacher gifts for her child's teachers. And I thought that that was a great idea because this will just go super fast, but it's really cute. And like I said, the style is really popular. So the final pattern is actually a version of a previous pattern of mine. It's a larger version of the cedar leaf shawlette. Now, ever since I came out with that pattern in 2009, knitters have contacted me requesting a larger version. They love the leafy border, but simply would like more coverage from the shawl portion because that pattern, as it is written, it kind of is more worn like a scarf. It kind of covers the shoulders in a small way, but it's definitely a shawlette, not really a shawl. So I decided that this would be the perfect opportunity to address this request, and I now have a new shawl pattern in the book that has that very beautiful, similar leafy border, but it has a different and larger body construction that completely covers the shoulders now for a cozier, warmer accessory. And I chose to knit this out of Classic Elite Yarns Magnolia, which is a wool silk blend, I believe, and it has a gorgeous sheen and drape, and it looks really elegant in this design. So that's it, everybody. That, in a nutshell, is Botanical Knits. And I've said it before, and I will say it again, I am incredibly proud of these designs. I really am. I am just very, very happy with how they turned out. For this project, I really just designed from the heart. I focused on what moves me as a designer, what I like to knit personally, and what I feel most represents my personal aesthetic. And I really hope you guys enjoy it. So many of you have contacted me about this collection and asked when and how Botanical Knits will be available. So as I've kind of briefly mentioned before, firstly, the book will be offered in print as an eight and a half by 11, 112 page soft cover book or as a digital ebook. Now, if everything goes exactly as planned, you'll be able to purchase and download Botanical Knits in digital form starting in the first week of February. There will also be an option for you to pre-order the printed version of the book, which will ship mid-May. Unlike what we did with Coastal Knits, I decided to give you both options with this book because I realized that shipping is very expensive, especially overseas, and not everyone wants to pay that huge shipping cost. So for those of you overseas, I definitely understand why you would just want a digital ebook. But for those of you in the U.S. where the shipping is not so prohibitive, I definitely think that if you're interested in this book, you should go ahead and order the printed version. And here are the reasons for that. Everyone that pre-orders the book in print will receive a few special little extras. Firstly, you'll get the ebook as well, included for free. So you can just download that right away and get started on the knitting and then look forward to getting a bright, pretty new book in the mail come spring. And then also, when that book does arrive, there will be included an extra never-before-seen pattern that will follow the theme of the book. You could kind of consider it the 13th Botanical Knits garment design. So everyone who pre-orders the printed version 
will get this special extra pattern for free with the printed book before anyone else even sees it. So those are a few little incentives for you. But another reason why I think you should order this book in print is because it's really pretty. I Maybe that sounds kind of weird, but it's just chock full of really beautiful photography. My friend Carly Tatum from the blog prettyminded.com took most of the pictures and she just did a lovely job. There's beautiful nature shots and beautiful full page pictures of the knits. And I just think that you could only see it at its full potential on the printed page. It's going to be the type of book that I think even non-knitters would like to look through just for the really pretty photos. So I just encourage you that if you don't feel strongly one way or the other, go ahead and order the printed book. You don't have to wait. You'll still get the ebook. You'll get the fun extras and you'll have a nice printed copy to easily show your friends. So again, if everything goes smoothly, this book will be available to pre-order in print. Or again, if you don't want to pay those shipping costs, you can also just purchase the ebook. And hopefully all of this will be available around the 1st of February, somewhere in the first week. My husband is actually building the new website for the book as we speak at botanicalknits.com. And that is where the book will be available to purchase. But in the meantime, I've posted up pictures and information for all the patterns up on Ravelry.com if you are interested in viewing the collection. And also, I have started a Botanical Knits Ravelry group as well. Now, groups are always helpful. I've always really enjoyed joining a group when I am knitting something because it's really fun to be able to share pictures with other knitters, ask knitters questions about the patterns, and just share the experience with others. So I invite you to go ahead and join. In the group, as well as on my blog, there were a few questions left for me about the book, so I thought I'd take a few minutes on the podcast to go over those in case you have the same question. One knitter asked if the book would be available at Stitches, and if this knitter means Stitches West in at the end of February, then the answer is unfortunately no because it's not going to be arriving in print until May, unfortunately. But there will be some other special surprises available at Stitches West that I will be telling you about later. Oh, did I mention that I am going to Stitches West this year and that I'm bringing my whole family and my in-laws and we're all traveling together in our van? Did I mention that? Yeah, anyways, another knitter asked if I will be adapting the patterns for children in the future. And the answer to that question is that I honestly have not thought that far ahead quite yet, but it's certainly an interesting idea. I could see a few of the sweaters looking absolutely adorable in a tiny version, so I will keep that in mind. Another question left for me was if any of the sweaters call for a DK weight yarn. The answer to that is no, but you could certainly swatch in a DK weight for either the Twigs and Willows cardigan or Autumn's End pullover and see if you like the fabric. A DK weight could potentially work for either of those designs. A question that I thought was particularly interesting was left by Garden Diva on Ravelry who wrote, I have never made a real sweater yet, 
meaning one requiring finishing and not a one-piece top-down style. But I'm so excited over each and every one of these botanical knits designs. I would like my first sweater to be one of these. Which design, if any, would you suggest for someone new to sweater knitting? So first of all, I would just like to say that I definitely think that a one-piece top-down design counts as a sweater. So that obviously is probably the easiest for someone who's just starting is something that's in one piece because it doesn't require a lot of seaming. So the Entangled Vines cardigan or Autumn's End would be easiest in that way because they are knit in one piece and they're just not quite as fussy because they don't have the whole problem of seaming added to them. But if you are interested in a sweater that does have seaming, like a traditional set-in sleeve sweater, um, I would say that Twigs and Willows would be the easiest of the two left. Both Twigs and Willows and Buds and Blooms are knit in pieces with set-in sleeves, but Twigs and Willows is probably the easier of the two because it doesn't have pockets or a collar to worry about, and the only challenging stitches in the entire sweater are only on the yoke portion, and the part that you're seaming is all done in stockinette stitch, so it, there's a nice border stitch on the top, so that's really easy to seam up with the mattress stitch. So it seems like if you're looking for your first pieced sweater out of the collection, I would probably point you towards that one the most. I think that that would be your best option. Another question asked on my blog was what the price of the book is and if any of the patterns would be available individually. So to answer that, firstly, no. The patterns will be available all together at this time as part of the collection. And about the price, the printed version is going to be $22 plus shipping, the same as Coastal Knits, and the ebook by itself will be $18. Now the last question left for me that I would like to address was written by Alita and she says, I love your designs. What a beautiful book. How did you learn to design? Did you start out using stitch dictionaries and then create stitch patterns from there? How do you come up with the construction methods? I'm interested in becoming a knitwear designer and would love any help you can offer. So the answer to this one, I would say, is that I have absolutely no clue how I learned to design. I'm just, okay, I'm kind of kidding. Kind of. I mean, I don't know. I've loved knitting for the past 10 years. I've done tons of it. I've knitted almost every single day. And each and every new knitting project along the way taught me something new about the way to write a pattern, garment construction, and how to manipulate stitches to create new textures and patterns. Now there are tons of amazing resource books out there. There's great stitch dictionaries that offer countless stitches. And there's also design books too that teach you how to create different garments and the different construction methods for a sweater and how to calculate size according to the gauge of your yarn. So there's tons of things out there if you'd like to try to just learn on your own. There's also classes available. I know that there's great design classes offered at a lot of the knitting conventions that we have. I've taken a few of them myself and they're really, really helpful. 
But still, my best recommendation is, is just to pick up the needles and yarn and just start playing with it. You will learn things along the way. That's kind of what I did. I didn't go into knitting thinking that I was going to end up designing knitwear. It's just kind of evolved over time. For those of you who have listened to this podcast from the beginning, you've kind of followed my journey through this process. Um, and I don't know, I didn't sit down and try to teach myself everything at once. It just kind of have developed my skills over the years. So that's what I have to say about that. So that's it for the questions. I now have a few announcements to share with all of you. There are some events coming up next month. If any of you are attending the TNNA convention in Long Beach, I will be there this year with my family walking around and also at the Unicorn Books booth on Sunday. Let's see, that is Sunday the 3rd of February at 5 p.m. And I will be signing the Annie and the Swiss Cheese Scarf book with my daughter. So please stop by and say hi if you're going to be attending TNNA this year. And then, of course, a few weeks later, I will be at the Stitches West Convention in Santa Clara, California. And like I said, my whole family's going. My in-laws are coming to help with the kids, which should be nice. And as in years past, I'll be sharing a booth again with the fabulous Lisa Sanchez, the Dyer of the Gorgeous Becoming Art yarn line. We will be at booth 1147 this year, so you better stop by and say hi, or else. Every year, knitters write me after stitches to tell me that they saw me at stitches, but they were too afraid to say hi to me, which I always kind of find funny. I promise I'm not that scary. Don't be shy, okay? I love to meet podcast listeners. So at this year at Stitches, I will have a few new things to show you. I'll have, of course, all of my Never Not Knitting patterns and samples as usual. I will have the Coastal Knits books, as well as the Coastal Kids patterns. I'll have the book and deluxe set of the new Annie and the Swiss Cheese Scarf children's story available. And my daughter and I actually have two book signings set up for it at Stitches. One on Friday the 22nd and Saturday the 23rd at 10.30 a.m. So if you're thinking about maybe bringing your child along with you to Stitches, please stop by and say hello. Or if you've purchased the book online, bring it with you and we'll sign it for you. Now, have I mentioned how crazy excited my daughter is to sign these books? She is ecstatic about this. So come on by, make her day, stop by, say hello. She'll be there with her knitting, all dressed up as the character Annie, ready to sign your book. So we hope to see you. As I said previously, I'm very sad to say that unfortunately, Botanical Knits, the new design book, will not be ready in time for us to bring to Stitches. But I will have some of the knits there for you to check out and try on and see how you like them. And I will also have some exclusive, limited edition, individually printed patterns from the book. Now, these are not going to be available anywhere else. They're not going to be available digitally or online, only in print at Stitches West at booth 1147. 
And when they're gone, they're gone. So stop by our booth early if you are interested in purchasing one of these individual patterns. There's going to be about four patterns available, I believe. And also, I want to tell you that if you attend the show wearing an item knit from the new Botanical Knits collection, watch yourself. Because if I see you, I'm going to hug you. Just kidding. I probably won't hug you. But if you do stop by the booth with your knit, I will have a special present for you. I would absolutely love to see the Botanical Knits garments being worn. So everybody, that sure was a lot of information to cover in this episode, but I think I remembered everything. As I said in the beginning, this is the final episode for this podcast season, so I'll be taking a bit of a break after this. So I'll be back at the mic probably again in June, and I will continue to podcast monthly. As always, I wanted to remind you that everything that I talked about today that can be linked will be linked in the show notes. And you can find the show notes on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on ravelry.com as nevernotknitting. And if you'd like to get in touch, please email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. I also wanted to thank everybody for all of your support. I feel so fortunate to have such a loyal, great group of listeners. You guys really make my job in my knitting life so much fun. So thank you. I would like to close today's episode with another great knitting story. This one was contributed by podcast listener Devin Ventry or Knitty McPurley on Ravelry. And this is her personal knitting story entitled The Crazy Green Blanket Lady. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks everybody. Happy knitting, and I hope to see you soon. Until next time. I have a creative compulsion. I must make stuff. I've been making stuff since I was a child, and I always get a little stressed if there isn't another project on the horizon as soon as the last one finishes. About six months ago, when I met a new friend who knew how to knit, and saw her wearing some of the beautiful things she had made, I knew that knitting was going to be my newest creative obsession. When I met my friend, I was in the middle of a painting project and told her that she would need to wait to teach me, because as soon as I learned, I knew that I would want to do nothing but knit. I've known myself a long time. This is what I do. I was seven months pregnant with my third child when my friend taught me basic casting on, knitting, and purling. Even more importantly, she introduced me to beautiful fibers, wool, cotton, alpaca, you know, fibers found in nature rather than made out of chemicals like polyester and acrylic. I was inspired. I impulsively ran off to my local yarn store and spent a ridiculous amount of money on inspiring yarn. Snobby yarn, I like to call it. With some gorgeous Patagonia slubby cotton, I made several rectangular items in garter stitch, like scarves and a small baby blanket for my soon-to-be-born baby boy. 
Once I got the hang of garter stitch and rectangles, I wanted to try a pattern. As a general rule, I'm not really one for patterns. I sew and crochet and almost never use patterns. I like freewheeling it and seeing where it takes me. At this point in my knitting, I wasn't a very adept purler, so I found a pattern that didn't involve purling, the Forever Baby Blanket, which I found on the Pearl Bee website. It used a cartridge belt rib, which is basically garter stitch with a slipped stitch every fourth stitch. The only tricky part for a beginner like me was that you had to bring the yarn to the front of your work before you slip the stitch, slip it, and then return it to the back again for the next knit stitches. Nonetheless, it seemed perfect and easy for a beginner. I went back to my local yarn store and explained to the nice older lady who worked there what I wanted to make and asked if they carried the gorgeous Merino Cashmere Superwash blend that the pattern called for. She said they didn't, but told me that really, any yarn would do. She tossed about words like worsted and gauge, which I didn't understand, but gave me confidence that she was just the person to tell me what yarn would be best. Seeing my huge pregnant belly and finding out that I was expecting a boy, she pointed me to some very nice green yarn, which was a cotton ten-cell blend. I liked it. It was soft. And even better, it was on sale. So I bought about a hundred balls of it. Not really, but it kind of seems that way to me now. You'll understand why in a minute. Before I left the store, I talked for a few minutes with that well-meaning older lady, explaining that I was a beginner and excited to start this project. She went on to tell me about another beginner they see a lot of in their shop. A crazy lady who has been working on a green baby blanket for months, who kept knitting it and ripping it out and knitting it and ripping it out. They called her the crazy green blanket lady. What was this lady's problem, she wondered aloud. It was a simple baby blanket. She should just get with the program and finish the thing. As I stood there, a beginner, with my green yarn and baby blanket pattern in hand, I felt that I needed to defend the crazy green blanket lady. She was likely soon to be me. Well, that's how we learn, I said. The yarn store lady raised her eyebrows and sighed. Beginners. So I went on my way, determined to have it more together than that crazy, nameless green blanket lady. I also made a mental note not to ask this woman for help if I needed it. Who knows what other unsuspecting beginners she would mention my incompetence to. So I bought my thousand balls of yarn and took them home to cast on for this blanket. It was summer, and I planned to take this project to the beach. We live in northern Virginia, and so Virginia Beach is just a few hours away. I started knitting a few days before the trip and made a few mistakes. I would slip the wrong stitch, and the beautiful rib that was supposed to form would be off by one stitch, so I would rip the whole thing out. At first, it seemed like a tragedy to rip out what I had worked so hard on, but in retrospect, it was probably only about ten rows of knitting. So I started over. This knitting and ripping went on for a while. All through the car trip to the beach, in the hotel room, 
all through the car trip home. I knit and I ripped. This cotton tencel yarn had amazing stitch definition, and every mistake was like a glaring siren of ineptitude. I knitted and ripped and knitted and ripped. Pretty soon, I was able to see the stitches better and recognize mistakes sooner. I learned how to unknit just a few stitches and how to pull the needles out, rip back just a few rows, and re-thread the, sti- the stitches onto the needles. Of course, every stitch would be backwards, so I'd need to flip them all as I went, but I learned to recognize that they were backwards. Pretty soon, after we returned home from the beach, I had about 12 inches of blanket that looked pretty good. And then I saw it. A mistake. It was about three rows in and was of medium significance. It was one of those moments when I couldn't decide to rip or not to rip. So I set the project down. It continued to sit there as I cast on and finished other projects, which I was knitting furiously before my baby arrived. The project sat until after my baby was born. Later, I wrapped him in a simple garter stitch blue blanket that I knit for him and realized that he really didn't need two hand-knit blankets. I would just rip that cartridge belt rib blanket out. Little did I know, I was never to cast it on again. I still have all that yarn in my stash, all one million balls of it. But the blanket was not a failure, despite what the yarn store lady might have said about it if I had told her. On the contrary, I considered it a glowing success. I learned so much in my experience with that green blanket. I learned how to knit making that blanket, how to be a real knitter. Isn't life often this way, though? We're judged not on the learning process, but on our finished product. Life, like knitting, is made up of a series of learning experiences, only some of which come along with beautiful finished products. Since then, I've made many gorgeous projects using snobby yarn. I may be the crazy green blanket lady 2.0, but it was totally worth it. And I'll never forget the green baby blanket that wasn't. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a clicking. From morning until she goes to bed. She won't take the time to brush her teeth. Let's not even talk about her hair If it isn't about knitting She just doesn't really care She's never not knitting And it's making her husband mad She just won't stop the stitching and the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she's just knit. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters. And more socks than they could ever wear. 
there's yard in the fridge In the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry It's even in the washer and dryer That's why she can't do any laundry I need some clothes She's never not knitting And it's making her husband mad Her husband mad I'm filing for divorce She just won't stop her stitching And the neighbors say it's really getting bad She's taking pictures of socks again Oh, poor girl The house is burning up in flames Oh, 911 Her husband says Get up, let's go but she can't set down her project She says Just let me finish up this row She's never not knitting And it's making Her husband mad Her husband mad She just won't stop her stitching And well She's losing all she had